What makes a leader? Everyone has a different opinion on that. We all only have to go to any given election day to see that uh, our nation has a, a wide diversity of opinion of what makes a good leader. Um, my uh, father-in-law used to have a, a saying uh, that anybody who uh, wanted to be president, that should automatically disqualify him. Uh, and, uh, but everyone has an idea of what, uh, what makes a good leader. Well, fortunately, the scriptures also have uh, speak and have their thoughts on what makes a good leader. And um, Paul wrote those thoughts to not only Timothy, uh, but Titus. The most famous passage on elders and deacons is found in uh, 1 Timothy 3, which we read and which we'll hear from this morning. But Paul also writes uh, a similar passage to Titus. The two men who he discipled and who were teaching elders in the early church, he made sure to pass these uh, instructions down to them on what makes a good leader. So I want to talk about leadership for elders today. Uh, why, who, and what? Why elders? Um, who should we select? And what do they do? And then we're going to do the same thing next week for deacons. Why, uh, who, and, uh, and, and what do they do? The concept of leadership is uh, found throughout the scriptures. Even before the Mosaic Law came, uh, right after Moses crossed um, uh, the, uh, um, the Red Sea and um, the, the water was uh, dried up for Moses to cross and Israel was um, freed and Egypt was swallowed up. Very soon after that incident, there became a leadership problem in the church and in the nation of Israel. Uh, Moses was trying to do it all. Uh, that wasn't working. People were getting disgruntled. And in Exodus chapter 18, we see the first example of God addressing leadership qualifications. When he told Moses to find qualified men of integrity to lead families of fifties and hundreds to be able to hear the cases of the people and be able to uh, address the people so that Moses could handle the bigger cases. Even then we see leadership being set up in the nation of Israel, which would later reflect the Church of God that men of integrity who were wise, who sought the Lord, who would be able to make decisions would, uh, would help. Why? Well, because Moses was one person and the work of leadership would, would burn him out. And that God saw in a plurality of, of leaders um, a, a more efficient, a stronger way to work. Later on, when Israel wanted a king, Samuel warned Israel, do you, do you really want a king? Uh, because 
one person in charge, uh, they can get corrupt, they'll start taking your families, they'll start attacking you, they'll start doing this, they'll start doing that, and one person autocratically in charge, not a good idea. But Israel said, no, nevertheless, we want a king. And uh, after uh, 40 years of Saul, they were ready to listen to God a little bit, and, uh, and, and God chose for them a, uh, a godly leader. And one of the things that David did that you didn't see Saul doing is appointing leaders under him. Even our form of government now in the, in the Presbyterian Church is unique from any other major form of church government in the fact that we have elders and we have deacons, we have presbyteries and we have general assembly. We have different ruling bodies and we have checks and balances. In fact, the Presbyterian form of government is what our nation's form of government was based after. A system of checks and balances where you have leaders of integrity that all oversee each other so that you don't have a situation of absolute power. Many of the other denominations, unfortunately, either have no leadership and no connection from church to church, or they're hierarchical, and if there's corruption at the top, there's nothing that can be done about it. But our church government form is basically based on the principle that all men are sinners and need accountability, and that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Nevertheless, God used a system of leaders, of elders and deacons throughout the New Testament and gave us this instruction because he saw that leadership was necessary and important to carry out the work of the church and that the shepherding of his people by leaders uh, was an important and necessary part of, of the church. So basically we have leaders because God has ordained that form of government in his word, throughout history, and specifically in the book of Acts as the early church was started. We have government because we are sinners and we need leaders to help us discern truth from error and help us to resolve conflict and help us to, to be shepherded, uh, pointed toward um, God's way and God's kingdom. God calls us sheep us being all of us sheep. And that's kind of an interesting, uh, many times in the uh, Gospels, Jesus calls us sheep, and um, he's referred to as a good shepherd. Well, I don't know how many of you are city people and how many of you are farm people, but sheep are not very intelligent animals. They need to be guided by a shepherd. They need leadership, because they just follow each other. And uh, and get into trouble because they're so easily misled and so easily misguided. That's why Isaiah in Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep go astray so easily. And uh, this is why God calls us to officers uh, in the church. And today we're gonna be talking about the office of elders. So that, that is why we need elders. Now, the next question is, who? I want you to notice the passage in um, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, when it talks about who should be an elder. Because a lot of times, when we talk about elders, 
we think great theologians being able to teach and yes that is a category but the qualifications for an elder are about 90% character and 10% theology unfortunately churches throughout the ages when they examine elders when they choose elders have gone the opposite way of 90% theology and 10% character um, I can tell you a sad story of uh, when I first became uh, an elder and I was on a um, church committee uh, to, to choose a pastor and we chose a pastor and we concentrated really we checked that theology out now this was in the dreaded late 1980s many of you were not alive then but Yes, there was a 1980s. And what had happened in the 1980s is many churches had left what was known as the Presbyterian Church USA because of their liberal theology. They were teaching that you didn't need to believe in Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man. It's okay if you didn't believe that. You could still be a pastor. You didn't have to believe in the Word of God as authoritative. You could still be a pastor. You didn't have to believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. You could still be a pastor. And many churches left that denomination and joined what we now know as the Presbyterian Church in America, which we are part of. Many others joined what's uh, called the Associate Reformed uh, denomination, which is a sister denomination very similar to ours. And back then, doctrine was extremely important because after all, we had just gone through a doctrinal purification getting rid of the liberal theology. And so we chose a new pastor who was impeccable in his theology. Unfortunately, we did no background for character. And immediately there were problems. There were problems in this church for 25 years, culminating in the pastor being removed and 25 years worth of damage done because we did not look at the scriptures and recognize that character was 90% of the qualifications for elder. And so our challenge is what, not only that we need leaders according to the scriptures, we saw the why, but who we pick is important because God calls elders, and we'll see next week, deacons to be men of character. So take a look at some of the characteristics that we find in 1 Timothy 3. Hospitable. Now one would say, wait a minute, um, the deacons are supposed to be the hospitable ones. Um, why does an elder have to be hospitable? Because God wants his leaders to be leaders of character, character and he wants his elders to be able to be welcoming, hospitable, and humble. After all, there was no one more hospitable than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who always welcomed people, who touched lepers. You know, we kind of forget what leprosy was like. Um, you could catch it so easily. People would not touch lepers. They had to go outside the town uh, of, of people. They were not allowed to be near people. And yet Jesus 
touch them. It kind of, if you want to put it in context, it would be like hugging someone with COVID today. And yet, Jesus was willing to do that, and Jesus often did that. Jesus was hospitable. He always welcomed people. He never turned anyone away. This is a quality that he wants in his elders. And by the way, even though people would say, well, the deacons are in charge of hospitality, the elders need to teach. Jesus is our example of the most hospitable uh, of people that ever walked the face of the earth. And Stephen, who was a deacon, preached the longest sermon in the New Testament. So, just because it's the main work you do, it doesn't mean that that's what God um, that's, that's all you're going to be doing or God doesn't expect you to exhibit these, these characteristics. He also says that uh, be able to manage your own house well um, and with your children submissive. Okay, now, those who went through elder training don't all come and say, I read that, I quit. Uh, no one expects perfect children uh, from elders. Uh, if anyone has a perfect child, congratulations, you've just, uh, uh, you've just found the second Messiah. And the only problem with that is that there's no place in Scripture for a second Messiah. So, uh, well, none of us have perfect children, but the Scriptures warn us about houses where our children, grown and older, are completely totally out of control and destroying the work of the church, maybe that person shouldn't be an elder. But an orderly household where the word of God is taught, where the word of God is lived out by husband and wife, not perfectly because none of us are perfect, not always because none of us are perfect, but where the effort is made and where the priority is Jesus Christ as Lord. Those are the type of men we want as elders. Another characteristic mentioned is, uh, is patient, not, not given to anger. And uh, again, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. That's what, uh, that's what James says. Elders who have their temper under control. Now, if you're looking for an elder who's never lost their temper, sorry, you've just lost all your elders. Because there's nobody who's gone through life without losing their temper. But uh, is there a pattern of losing temper? Is there a pattern of blowing their top under when anything gets stressful, when anything gets difficult. That's what the Word of God is, is warning against. All the characteristics talked about in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, are, are important and necessary for an elder. They're not exclusive, but they're a representative of a man of character and integrity. Reputation is talked about. Reputation meaning... Uh, how do the outside world see you, and what is your reputation in the church? If you have a reputation for caring and listening and approachability and humility, those are the characteristics that Jesus exhibited. Someone who is uh, being considered for an elder who is not approachable, who is arrogant, who cannot be corrected, who cannot admit when they're wrong, those are the characteristics that make poor leaders. 
I remember in executive management class, it's so funny because they come up with these great concepts and uh, if, you, if you only read the Bible, you know that the concepts have been around for thousands of years. But one of the uh, comments that they mentioned in executive management classes for young executives is don't be afraid to admit when you made a mistake. Imagine that. What a new management concept, right? And they said, don't be afraid to admit that you made a mistake because guess what? The workforce under you already knows it. So, humility and being, uh, being willing to admit you're wrong, being willing to admit you don't know the answer, being willing to admit your, your sin and your imperfection. Very important. So character is the making of, of an elder. Now, the scriptures do say for an elder he must be an apt teacher. Apt is one of those crazy words. It's, this is not short for apartment. Uh, but apt means capable. An elder needs to know the theology of the scriptures and needs to be able to teach it. Not perfectly. Not everyone is going to be teaching theology classes as an elder. But you need to be able to know what you believe and now how to express it. Not in a great form, but in a way that would be able to answer routine questions of, of people. It doesn't mean that your elder is going to know every theological question you bring to them. And it's okay for elders to say, I don't know the answer to that, I need to research it and talk to other elders. But an elder be, at least needs to know the basic doctrines of the church and how to teach them. So teaching is important, and uh, knowing the scriptures and being able to, to share them is important. But as I mentioned before, it's about 10% where character is 90%. And that is one of the reasons why the passage also says that they need to not be new converts. Elders are usually older because they're not new converts. It doesn't mean that they have to be old, but um, um, why does the scripture warn about new converts? Because it's a, it's a question of maturity. Elders need to have been believers for a long time, mature and stable and consistent in the faith that they not get overwhelmed or tempted or proud because there's no place in church leadership for proud, haughty, and arrogant leaders. So elders need to be able to be approachable and listen and hear. And most of all, be walking close to God and listening and hearing what God is, is saying to them. Now there, um, the word elder is also uh, translated overseer and, uh, and, and bishop. They, they all can be uh, translated uh, that way. There are two types of elders in our denomination, teaching elder and ruling elder. Teaching elders preach and distribute the sacraments. Uh, ruling elders can preach when there's no teaching elder available and routinely do not uh, distribute the sacraments. But our denomination does not make a difference between um, teaching elder and ruling elder and the fact that they are both elders and they are ordained the same way with the same questions. They make a difference in distinction. As you call your new pastor, he too will be an elder. 
but he will have the additional responsibilities of teaching and um, preaching from the pulpit regularly and doing the sacraments of Lord's Supper and baptism. I should have asked the I should have asked some of the elder candidates what were the two sacraments that the teaching elder should do to see if they still remember their course from last uh, semester or not. But uh, the two sacraments we have, Lord's Supper and, uh, and baptism, are uh, for the, the teaching elder to do. But uh, the man you are preparing for uh, your senior pastor position, I will challenge you uh, from the pulpit today, make sure that man is a man of character and a man of integrity as well as a man of solid biblical doctrine. The presbytery will make sure he's a man of solid, uh, that his theology is sound, because I've gone to some of those meetings that the presbyteries have where they examine new pastors coming in. They will take care of that for you, but they won't necessarily do the background examination about the character of the man. That's going to fall more on you. And so I challenge you to consider the character because the Word of God considers the character of leaders and, and calls them to high character. Lastly, what does an elder do? What is an elder's main responsibilities? We had a founding pastor, um, Alan Harris, uh, at our church. He started uh, Columbia Presbytery in 1978 and retired in 2011 after, how many years is that? Uh, 33 years, yeah, uh, at the ripe old age of 68 or 69. And he always used to say uh, in elder training, what is an elder's uh, main responsibilities? He, he, uh, he liked alliteration. He was an English major in, uh, at Pennsylvania University before he went to seminary. So he always used to say, elders, they direct and protect or they lead and feed. Don't get concerned about the, uh, I can see some elders, potential elders' wives cringing now when they heard feed. Does that mean I have to have everybody over for dinner all the time? Um, now, that would, not, not the right type of feed there. Uh, Lead and feed, direct and protect. Um, what does that m mean? Uh, direct and protect, uh, he said, the elders' responsibilities are to direct the affairs of the church and to protect the flock from false teaching and uh, the false teaching of society and the world and the people who would twist the scriptures. An elder's job is to shepherd the congregation. When, you, uh, when Peter talks about, when Peter challenges the elders at the church, at, at, at all the churches that are reading his letter in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says to the elders, I, I challenge you as a fellow elder to shepherd the flock that is in your care with correct motives, not because you have to, because you want to. That's a rough paraphrase of a uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. But one of the jobs of an elder is to shepherd the people in the congregation, to come alongside of them. What does a shepherd do to the sheep? He makes sure that the sheep is eating and drinking, is protected, is nourished, has a place to stay at night, stays in the pastures and doesn't wander into the rocks. He, he directs where they go and he protects them from going the wrong place. 
The same thing with lead and feed is another thing. You, you lead, you direct the affairs of the church, you feed. You feed them on the word of God and, and good fellowship. Inviting people over is part of an elder's job too. You can, you can physically feed them. But the lead and feed that Pastor Harris said was feeding spiritually. So an elder's job is twofold. To be able to direct the church, to be able to care for the people. Those are the type of people that you want to vote um, in as your elders and you want to call as your pastor. Those who are directed by biblical teaching of the word of God, by examples in their lives, and those who will shepherd you, come alongside you, care and um, encourage and support and are there when times get difficult and when struggles abound. Your elders will have tough decisions to make. Uh, Columbia Presbyterian is a pretty good sized church of about 400 people. For 400 people, when COVID hit, we had 401 different opinions of when masks should be worn and when they shouldn't. We had, with 400 people, we had 401 decisions on when church should be closed up and when it shouldn't. People are going to have opinions and thoughts on everything. The challenge um, to, to leadership is to be able to make wise decisions that honor the law of the land and also um, are biblically sound and, and help our people to move on and um, further the work of God. Sometimes decisions that elders make are not going to be popular because not everyone is looking to the word of God for what should be done. Uh, you know, and, and one day I remember being told as an elder, why are you afraid to die? Why are we letting a little disease keep us from shutting down? Isn't a Christian supposed to be able to, um, you know, uh, to, to trust God? And we're just, uh, why should we be afraid to die? We should uh, keep our church open. We should uh, not let a disease uh, slow us down or, or interrupt the work of the kingdom. And someone else from the same thing. Um, why aren't we completely shut down? Why are we doing anything in the church? Why, why don't we stop everything completely? Uh, don't, you know, why, why are you aiding uh, COVID from being uh, in spreading and all that? Because you're still worshiping and you still have people there. Why, why haven't you shut the building down completely like some other places have, have done? And of course, what we did was somewhere in the middle. Um, this was at the beginning of, uh, or, or in, in the middle of the COVID uh, vaccine. But these are decisions that had to be made just recently that had to do with, uh, you know, the health and welfare of the church with people at both extremes. You're not going to be popular and, you know, and, and people are going to gossip about you. And, uh, and people aren't always going to be willing to follow you. But that's why the scriptures call elders to be men of character. Because when you look at, um, when you look at the uh, apostles and when you look at Jesus, how popular was Jesus? He was real popular when he fed the 5,000. 
But at the end of the day, the man who healed all the blind and the lame and the deaf and the lepers, the person who fed the 5,000 and then fed the 4,000, um, the people who, uh, the, the man who rose, uh, resurrected Lazarus from the dead, who um, gave the woman from Maine, Maine uh, back uh, her son, at the end of the day, what happened to him? The crowd chanted in, in unison, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus showed us that leadership in the church is not a popularity contest. It's a call to service to God, regardless of what God calls you to. And Acts shows us that uh, all the apostles ran into difficulty not only from non-Christians outside the church, but from people in their own church. Paul says that um, he had to, uh, I can't pronounce these guys, uh, I think Alexander and, and uh, this guy's name beginning with an H, he had to tell Timothy that he had to kick them out of the church so that they would learn not to blaspheme. Diaphanes, who was a man uh, that Paul had to deal with, said, uh, you know, he caused a lot of harm, and, uh, and, and he was puffed up. There are people in the church causing issues that uh, they had to deal with. First John, John writes about people who were in the church who eventually left, but they were in the church causing problems because they were teaching false things according to Scripture. Your opposition as an elder sometimes comes inside the church as well as outside, but this is why God calls us to choose men of character, men who realize their own frailty and sinfulness, who depend upon God, who rely upon God, who rely upon the Holy Spirit and the power of the scriptures to change lives and continually hold to that and teach that and live that. And these are the men that God calls us to choose as elders and deacons. So God has called us an ordained leadership. God has called us to choose men of character. And God has called these men to direct us and protect us. What has he called us to do as congregation? Hebrews 13 talks about that. Hebrews 13 says to give honor and support and listen to your leaders. 1 Timothy 5 says, that an elder who uh, uh, rules well, um, uh, who serves well, is worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in teaching and preaching. What does double honor mean? Uh, I think that means two chocolate bars instead of one. But, but, it, it, um, but the, scriptures, the scriptures call us to uh, support, encourage, and, and, and recognize our, our leaders. And, and submit to them. Submission is a hard word in the scripture. We don't like to submit, but you know, our leaders are not the only one that God calls us to submit to. He calls husbands and wives to submit to each other. He calls wives in a special way in the scripture to submit to their husbands. He calls us to submit to our government authorities in Romans 13. And he calls all of us to submit to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ day in and day out. And so, 
submission to leaders is just another submission God calls us to. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're going to be submitting because that's what God calls us to do. So as we think about and as we pray as a church uh, for our upcoming new elders and deacons and pastor, consider these words in 1 Timothy and pray for your leaders. Pray for them, encourage them, honor them, submit to them, and make sure they are the men of God that 1 Timothy 3 calls us to have as leaders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your challenge on who should be an elder and what they should do. We pray that you would help City of Hope to apply that, even now as they prepare to select new elders and deacons in the next month or two and, and a new pastor soon after. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.